Welcome to Season 4 of Study Gateway's First Listens, where you get first listens of the first sessions on Study Gateway so you can find your next video Bible study. In this new season, we're taking our inspiration from National Women's Month and featuring seven women Bible teachers you should know. I'm Shelley Leith, your host, and I'm so excited about the lineup of women pastors and Bible teachers that you're going to meet in this season. And when I say meet, I really mean it. You'll get to hear my interviews with each one of these authors, so you can get to know them before we hear their teaching. You'll meet Karen Eamon, Danielle Strickland, Lori Wilhite, Sandra Richter, Margaret Feinberg, Ruth Chow Simons, and Candace Payne. Now, you may not have heard of all these women, but that's the point. We wanted to use this season of the podcast to introduce you to some women Bible teachers that you really should know about. We are bringing you women teachers who know their Bibles, who are passionate about helping others grow in their faith, and who know how to connect biblical truths to the issues women face in their everyday lives. Today, I have something very special for you here at First Listens. We are going to be meeting Karen Eamon. You may remember her from Season 2 on mental health, when she taught from her most recent study called, When Making Others Happy is Making You Miserable. Well, today, just to give you a little clue, we're going to be going back a few years and listening to the first session from her popular study, Listen, Love, Repeat. Before we start the session, we get to meet Karen Eamon in person. She's here with me. Hi, Karen. Hey, Shelly. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. I want to just introduce you, and then we'll have a few minutes together so that our audience can get acquainted with you. Karen Eamon is from the middle of the mitten in Michigan, which should tell you right away how down-home real and funny she is. She's a speaker with Proverbs 31 Ministries and a New York Times best-selling author. We stream six of her Bible studies here on Study Gateway. Karen, the, the titles of your Bible studies always tickle me. I think it's your Michigan humor coming through. There's Keep It Shut about the power of our words <laughs> or our mouths. Then there's let it go, which sounds so terse when you see the punctuation, let period, it period, go period. I love that. And your most recent study, the greatest title of all, when making others happy is making you miserable. What a relatable topic. So Karen, I'd love to hear a bit more about yourself and then share with us how you got started writing Bible studies. Sure. So yes, I do live in Michigan, right in the middle of the mitten. And we Michiganders, we carry our maps with us at all times. So I can just point to the middle of my palm and say, that's where I live, where America's high five. But I've lived in Michigan my whole life. I was born and raised here, went to college here, met my husband at college. He was my college sweetheart. And we got married. We have three children and then two bonus children by marriage, our in-laws, a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law although I kind of forget which ones are which, because uh -huh. I love them all. And I am a grandma for the first time. Our first grandson was just born about a year ago, a little boy named Jasper. And I do write and speak for Proverbs 31 Ministries. I love teaching the Bible. I love helping women on the journey of life, learn things that I've had to learn maybe the hard way, so they don't have to learn it the hard way. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really thrilled and honored to be with you today. Mm. How did you get started with Proverbs 31 Ministries? I was speaking kind of locally, mostly in the Midwest. 
And then I was asked to do my first like big arena event to be a conference speaker at a mom's conference. And Lisa Turkhurst was also one of the workshop leaders. And she and I struck up a friendship. I started writing for the newsletter that they did back then that turned into a magazine. And then I was asked to be on the speaker team and write for the devotions. We have online devotions and also an app called the First Five Bible Study app. And so I just kind of naturally started doing one thing after another, a little more pieces until all of a sudden I was just there full time. That's great. Now, was there anything that you had to overcome when you began writing and recording Bible studies? Yeah, the the biggest thing I think that was a, a hindrance for me was I had sat under a lot of other men and women who taught the Bible, and I had this little bit of a voice in my head saying I had to be like them, I had to do mm-hmm. things like they did. And I learned very quickly that that was not the right thing. I actually had a mentor of mine say to me, you know what, don't try to be profound. Don't try to be perfect. You're neither. You just be you. The world already has other Mm -hmm. famous name speakers. They don't need a second one of them. Don't be the second anyone. You know, Mm -hmm. don't try to be the next Beth Moore. You know, be the first you. Just be yourself. That's who they need. Tell your story make sure it's it's tethered in God's story and then help your audience to see their story in God's story as well. And just share and write just like you, you are in, in real life. And that was the best advice I ever got. I love that. So which do you think is easier for you, writing the study or recording the videos for the study? Well, typically when it comes to writing or speaking, I would say that speaking comes easier because My husband teases me that I could do an entire hour with no topic. I just love to talk. I just love to talk. But when it comes to actually filming it, you know, sometimes you have to stop when you're just kind of on a roll because they say, wait, 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 there's lipstick on your teeth. Or wait, 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 you know, an airplane just flew over and we picked up that noise. We've got to do it again. So you have to stop what you're doing, rewind, try to get back in the groove. So when I think about that filming aspect of it, not just doing a live audience at an event, I would say that's harder. So I would say the writing of it comes a little easier. Okay. All right. Um, And do you have any fun or interesting behind-the-scenes stories about something that may have happened while you were filming? Oh, just a couple little things I can think of. One time I was filming in a real coffee house kind of atmosphere, and everyone was sipping their coffee or, you know, kind of dipping their tea bags in their tea. And I'm like, you can't put coffee or tea in my mug because I'm prone to spill. We have to just do water. So as much as it looked like I was sipping a hot cup of coffee, it was ice cold water. And then the other thing is I typically wear glasses and I can see better when I have my glasses on because they're, they're kind of bifocals. You know, I've got my long distance vision and my short up close reading distance in my glasses, but I don't really want to film in glasses, so I wear contacts. However, when I wear contacts, I have a really hard time reading small print. So whenever I am flipping through my Bible and I find a passage and I'm reading the passage in the Bible, really, I have put it on on computer paper in big font and kind of stuck it in there. So I'm always telling them, when I flip my Bible open, don't have the camera do an over-the-shoulder shot because they're going to see this great big, big uh, middle-aged print in my Bible because I, I just refuse to get a large print Bible. I'm not going to do it. So right. I can read them fine and read it fine in my glasses. But when I have my contacts on, i got to do that little cheat sheet in there. I love it. I love it. So what is next for you, Karen? Well, I would say where the Lord has been taking me in my life 
and then probably will be next what I write and speak about. That's kind of how things happen. I learn these lessons and then, you know, try to share what I've learned with other people. I think it's probably going to be in the realm of grief and loss. In the last three years, um, we've lost all four of our parents and then another six people in our immediate family. So between my husband and I, we've lost 10 people in three years. And it's been quite a journey. I've learned a lot about grief and um, welcoming grief and making it my companion because it's going to be here for a while. And mm -hmm. I'm seeing that really resonate with a lot of other people as I maybe just do a little like Instagram live or put up a post talking about grief and loss. A lot of people are dealing with that, not only with losing people to death, but, you know, losing jobs, losing spouses, or even the pandemic, you know, losing normalcy. So I think that's kind of where I'm headed next. Mm. Well, Karen, it's been so great getting to know you and learn about your journey as a Bible teacher. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today. And now, I am so excited to be able to share with our First Listens audience the first session from your wonderful study, Listen, Love, Repeat, which is a study that helps us get over that me first, you second way of living. Let's tune in right now to session one called Finding Your Big Why. My favorite thing in the entire universe is a four-year-old boy. And since I have two sons, I was fortunate enough to have two four-year-old little boys in my house growing up. And I remember when my son Mitchell was four years old, he can often be found running around our house with his little cut-off jean shorts, his pockets crammed full of his lucky rocks and bottle caps and other things little boys carry around at the age of four. He would have his trusty slingshot stuck in the back pocket of his jeans, and his chocolate milk mustache mouth was just running a mile a minute asking me questions. His favorite word was why. Why? 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 We would go to the grocery store and he'd say, Mama, why are bananas yellow and not purple? And then he'd see the grapes and he'd say, well, why are the grapes purple? But wait, there's some that are green. Why did God make grapes two colors and bananas only one colors? Why, Mom? Why? 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 To get a little break, I sent him to my Aunt Patty's house. She lives out at a lake and he went and spent about four days with her once. And she said he nearly drove her bonkers, following her around the house. Aunt Patty, why, why, why? She finally realized if she just kept feeding him bacon, he'd be quiet. <laughs> so she said she went through four packages of bacon when he was there. You know, the question of why is probably the oldest question known to man. Why am I here? Something deep inside of us wants to know where do we fit in the grand scheme of everything happening in the world. We don't want to go through life feeling we've missed our cause or our calling. In college, I had to wrestle with this question. I took a class called Philosophy 200. I was so excited to be in that class. I ran there and got in my seat every day because there was a really cute boy in that class who I ended up marrying, so I had a little extra spring in my step going to Philosophy 200. But our professor assigned us once a paper we had to write on our summum bonum. Now, summum bonum is a Latin term that means the highest good. It's that end in itself that encompasses all other good things in life, that singular pursuit that we have here on Earth. Basically, our big why. Why are we here? Now, he said that there was no right or wrong answer. You could pick whatever you wanted. He gave some examples like maybe to relieve suffering or to help the poor. Well, I decided that I, for my summum bonum, would choose relationships. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I had become a Christian about two years before this, and the woman who led me to the Lord, my mentor, Pat, she told me that really there are only two reasons we are here on earth. The first one is to have a relationship with our Creator who offers us a place in heaven, and the second reason is to tell other people about Him so they can go to heaven too. And nothing else really mattered. So I chose relationships. And even though it's been decades since that class, I still believe that relationships are the most important thing in life. Relationships with our family members, with friends and coworkers, maybe even people we meet just for a moment or two, complete strangers, even relationships with our enemies. Now I know what you might be thinking, because I think it myself often, but relationships take so much time and effort. Well, let's take a little time right now to look at someone who valued relationships and was never too busy to pour into them. So grab a Bible, or if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can bring up a Bible app on that, and turn to Mark 5. Mark chapter 5. You know, I never tire of reading about the accounts of Jesus' life. Now, I like to read from the Old Testament, too. In fact, I've even tried a couple of those read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year plans, you know, the start-out-all-spiritual, but then you kind of fizzle by February plan. (laughs) But I would be perfectly happy to just sit and soak in the Gospels and read about what Jesus did. Although he was the Son of God on a very big mission, Jesus was never too busy to notice. He lived alert. He could be going to do something grand and notice one simple little soul. He lived alert. You know, Jesus was not about doing big things. He was about doing the right thing. And often for him, the right thing was just stopping and noticing one simple soul. And Mark 5 records such a scene for us. Jesus had just returned from restoring a demon-possessed man, which I'm sure was something grand, probably made all the major news outlets back then. So let's pick up reading in Mark 5, verses 21 through 24. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came up, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. I love that simple verse. So Jesus went with him. You know, he didn't have a lot of hoopla surrounding his decision. He didn't draw attention to himself and post it on Twitter with the hashtag miracle on the way. You know, he didn't load, upload a, a great pic to Instagram with a really cool filter for effect. It simply says, so Jesus went with him. And then another person enters the story. So let's pick up reading in Mark 5, 24 through 28, right after it says, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. So she reached out to Jesus, she and the multitude of people that are around, everybody was reaching out to him, but you know what? Her simple, frantic touch did not escape his notice. 
did not. So let's pick back up reading in 29 through 34. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you? His disciples answered, And yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know, this story has always fascinated me. How Jesus took the time in the middle of a huge crowd of people to notice just one simple person and meet her need. And she seemed to be kind of an insignificant person. The synagogue ruler, we're told his title and his name, Jairus. It doesn't give a title to her, doesn't even mention her name. In comparison, she was not quite as high in society. But Jesus noticed her. He lived alert. Now, Jairus became a little worried that this side tour had taken up so much time that his daughter was not going to be healed. But it's never too late for Jesus. He still healed the daughter as well. Well, you know, today we have people crowding in around us, pressing for our attention, people, projects. But Jesus is calling us to stop and notice, to live alert, to give a special touch to that one person who might need to be cheered up. I heard something said once that has forever affected me when I think about ministry. Often it seems like Jesus was going to do these big grand things, but for Jesus, ministry usually was the person standing right in front of him. Not the big thing he was going to do, the person standing right in front of him. Now this week, maybe even today, most likely you are gonna have someone standing in front of you. Somebody who is just longing for someone to notice them. We've got to start making relationships our big why. Not possessions, you know, so many times we weary ourselves out to get possessions or to earn more money to buy more possessions. We value possessions over people. We shouldn't do that. Or maybe it's not possessions, maybe it's a position. We really want status at work or popularity among our circle of friends. And we forget that people, people are way more important than possessions or position. About a year ago, I was honored to spend three weeks in a hospice with my sister-in-law, who was also one of my best friends, as she finally went to be with the Lord after a long battle with both breast cancer and bone cancer. And when we sat in that hospital room pulling all kinds of shenanigans, we would prank phone call her siblings. <laughs> we had Halloween come early, and we put on masks and tried to scare them on our FaceTime, and she kept saying, this is amazing, look, I can see them. Well, whenever we were talking, just the two of us in the quiet of the room, she never wanted to talk about any of the stuff she had accumulated in her life. And she had a big, beautiful house. They belonged to the country club. Her husband had a very important position in the community. They were very well known, always drove brand new cars. And what did she want to talk about? Oh, tell me about the time again when we were all kids and, and the canoe fell over when we were on the camping trip. And she wanted to reminisce about seeing her daughter in dance lesson recitals and, and her son playing in his little Christian rock band. That's what was important to her, not the stuff, not her position, people. 
Max Lucado says this, when you are in the final days of your life, what will you want? Will you hug that college degree in the walnut frame? Will you ask to be carried to the garage so you can sit in your car? Will you find comfort in rereading your financial statement? <laughs> of course not. What will matter then will be people. If relationships will matter most then, shouldn't they matter most now? So we've got to start making relationships our big why. Are you enjoying this first session of Listen, Love, Repeat by Karen Eamon? If you wish you could be watching her as she's teaching a group of women sitting in an old schoolhouse, then I've got good news for you. You can. We have unlocked session one of Listen, Love, Repeat on Study Gateway. So you can go there and watch the entire first session for free. Listen, Love, Repeat is published by Harbor Christian Resources, and it streams on Study Gateway. Study Gateway is a streaming video service, and we're the only one that has a subscription plan, especially for small groups. For our First Listens listeners, we offer you an exclusive rate on our small group plan. When you use the promo code FIRST at studygateway.com, you'll get 20% off of a small group plan for up to 20 people. And for a complete experience with Listen, Love, Repeat, take advantage of our publisher direct pricing on the essential Bible study guide designed to be used with the videos. You'll get the group discussion questions and leader materials, the scripture text and key ideas, and personal Bible study and reflection exercises to do between sessions. Get all the details at studygateway.com. And now, back to Karen Eamon. Well, how do we behave if relationships are our why? One simple relationship skill I think is good to cultivate is what I like to refer to as hearing a heart drop. Now, that's a phrase I actually got from our small group leader, Michael. He talked about listening for heart drops in people's conversations, those little kind of listening between the lines where you can hear their heart even though they're not really saying it with their words and you might pick up on something in their life. Maybe they're upset about something or maybe they're reminiscent about something or maybe they're troubled about something. I remember one time when my husband heard a heart drop. It was about uh, a couple, couple decades ago now almost and we were in a church where my husband was a youth pastor and I often interacted with the girls in the youth group and one of them was talking about a slumber party that was coming up. And one of the girls said to me, oh, you probably had so many fun slumber parties. Tell us about the slumber parties way back in the 80s. <laughs> you know, so far away in the history books, you know. And I said, oh, well, I never had a slumber party. And my husband kind of picked up on that. I was from a single parent home. My mom was a very godly, hardworking woman, but we didn't have a real nice house. And she was working a lot to put food on the table for my brother and me. And I never, ever had a slumber party. I never even had a friend spend the night once my whole life. So my husband heard that heart drop. And on my 30th birthday that year, he told me to get ready because we were going out to dinner. But instead, I heard pounding on my front door. And my three friends, dressed in their fuzzy bathrobes and their scary slippers, kidnapped me. One of them had a video camera. The other one, it was so funny, she has really long hair. She had her hair rolled up in orange juice cans for curlers, which I thought was completely hilarious because she got stopped by the cops speeding on the way to my house. They kidnapped me. They took me to my church. My husband had 
pulled off a slumber party for me with 30 friends for my 30th birthday. Friends I had seen since college, one sweet 90-year-old woman in our church who was there in her like Sunday best dress, but they put a hat on her and she was throwing confetti and blowing one of those things, you know, and she's like, hey, I've never blown a honker before. And, you know, she was so excited. My husband, he heard that heart drop. We need to be on the lookout, listening for those heart drops to either encourage someone verbally or do something fun for them. Hearing a heart drop is an art we must lovingly cultivate. It can lead to the most wonderful times. But let's keep in mind one more chunk of scripture as we're listening for those heart drops. Turn back a book in your Bible to Matthew 5. We were in Mark 5, now we're going to be in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We don't do good works in order to be noticed, to be elected spiritual homecoming queen of Facebook, <laughs> selfishly shouting, look at me, look at me. We don't do good works to say, look at me. We do them to say, well, will you look at him? We point them to Christ. We don't do good works for the sake of looking good. We do good works to point others to Jesus. Well, I have come to learn to believe this upside down truth. If you want to find your life, find your big why, you have to lose it. Jesus himself said this in Matthew 16, 25. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. In order to bring joy to yourself, first you need to be more concerned with bringing joy to others. Do you want to feel significant? Learn to embrace obscurity and make someone else feel significant instead. Only when we love and share as scripture commands us can we live life on purpose, embracing that big why the reason God brought us to earth in the first place, to have a relationship with him so we will enjoy him forever in heaven and to take other people with us. And we want to be a mirror that lets his light shine so that he gets all the glory. A few weeks ago, I was so excited because my friend Chessa said that I could go stay at her beach cottage all by myself and work on my Bible study so I could know what to tell you women today. And I was so excited to just be alone and work without distraction. So I worked inside the little cottage for a while and then it was a nice day, so I decided to go out on a bench and work in the shade. Well, as I tried to work there, I noticed across the street there was a man, an elderly man trimming his bushes. We'll call him Jay. Well, Jay became my new friend that day and I actually put a picture of him on Instagram. Now, I made sure he was walking away and you couldn't see his face, so I wasn't, you know, putting something up without his permission. You could just see this figure of this man walking off in the distance. And here is what I put under his, his picture as the caption. This is my new friend Jay. I'm trying to sit down on a bench in the shade and write. He is away across the street trimming bushes. He first popped over to tell me he hoped his trimming didn't interrupt my thinking. I told him no, and then he walked back across the street. Then he came back a few minutes later to tell me what he used to do for a living. I listened and nodded, and then he walked back across the street. 
Five minutes later, he came back to tell me about his first wife and how they were married for 30 years and then how she died. And then he told me how he's been married to his current wife for 30 more years. And then he got this sheepish smile on his face and said, yes, ma'am, first one died in 83, married the second one in 85, only got two years off. <laughs> like it was a prison sentence or something. And then he walked back across the street. Seven minutes later, he came back to tell me how wonderful marriage is and how he has so been blessed with both of his wives in his life. Then he walked back across the street. Five minutes later, he came back to tell me he forgot to tell me something. He removed his dapper, fancy sun hat and told me all about how it blocks out the sun's rays. He told me you can even find one on that there computer you're working on. I listened, and then he walked back across the street. You know, I came here to find quiet so I could write without distraction. But often interruptions, especially of the people sort, are God's agenda for our day. And I am reminded of what I once heard said. Sometimes we get caught up in what we think is big ministry, like writing a Bible study. But most often for Jesus, true ministry was the person standing right in front of him. Who is standing in front of you today? Excuse me now while I go back to ask Jay the best way to trim my out-of-control lilac bush back at home. He does yard work like a boss. <laughs> Sometimes we need to live alert to notice that person who just needs to be noticed standing right in front of us. Now I'd love to leave you with one final awesome scripture that's relevant to this, but instead I'm going to quote a book my four-year-old little boy Mitchell had me read to him every day. Winnie the Pooh. It says this on one of the pages in his old tattered book. Piglet sidled up to Pooh from behind. Pooh? He whispered. Yes, Piglet? Nothing, said Piglet, taking Pooh's paw. I just wanted to be sure of you. Who in your life just wants to be sure of you? Make it your aim to live alert, to know your why, to hear those heart drops as we listen, love, and then do it all over again. Well, my friends and I have been just discussing a little bit here that question that my son used to follow me around the house asking me over and over again. Why? Why? And when we think about the big why of our lives, we need to realize that relationships are the most important thing. To value people over everything else, over possessions, over our position in life, and to remember, too, that often the most important ministry we can do is to just listen to that person standing right in front of us. So I have a little challenge for us this week. I want us to learn to live alert. In fact, I want you to write those two words, live alert, somewhere where you will see them every single day. Whether it's a sticky note on the mirror in your bathroom, or maybe you put it on your steering wheel of your vehicle, or maybe even make it the screensaver on your phone. Live alert, and then be on the lookout 
listening for those heart drops, listening for the person that needs you to do something special for them. But remember, we don't do it so other people will look at us. We do it so they will look at him. So we are going to have a memory verse of the week that will help us to solidify that fact. It's found in Matthew 5, and it's verse 16, and it says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, well, it's time now to head to your discussion groups as we talk a little bit more about the big why of life as together we learn to listen, love, and then repeat. If you're curious about what was going on during Karen's last segment, the women in her group left the old schoolhouse and sat down around a picnic table on the grass and started in on what looked like a really delicious lunch. If you want to see all the amazing baked goods and get really hungry, then don't forget you can go to studygateway.com and you'll find this first session of Listen, Love, Repeat unlocked and accessible for you to watch in its entirety for free. Listen, Love, Repeat is a video Bible study by Karen Eman, published by Harper Christian Resources and streaming on Study Gateway. Here at Study Gateway, you can find your favorite authors, pastors, and Bible teachers all in one place. We're the only streaming video subscription service that offers a small group-sized plan and has user-based pricing for churches, no matter what the size. And don't forget, you can use the promo code FIRST to get a 20% savings on a small group plan, and that discounted rate lasts as long as you keep your subscription. With Study Gateway, you also get a direct link to our store, where you get publisher direct pricing on the essential Bible study guide for Listen, Love, Repeat. The study guide gives you everything you need to have a great discussion with your group, and then go deeper between sessions with further study and activities on your own. Is Listen, Love, Repeat going to be your next study? Get started right now by going to studygateway.com, click Start Free Trial, choose the monthly small group plan, and use the promo code FIRST for your 20% discount. Make sure you rate and review this podcast so other people can find this show too. And come back next week for our next episode in the season on Women Bible Teachers You Should Know. In episode two, we'll be meeting a Bible teacher that one article said has the effect on people of rocketing them out of their comfort zone. We're talking about Danielle Strickland, and I think you'll find my interview with her utterly fascinating and challenging. Then we'll be listening to the first session from her study, Better Together, how women and men can heal the divide and work together to transform the future. See you next time on Study Gateway's First Listens.